Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 9. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 9. We are continuing with our series of the book of, <coughs> of the life and ministry of David. David has become king. He has established and brought back the Ark of the Covenant. He has established Jerusalem as the capital. And now David is starting to see victories. In the chapter previous, in chapter number 8, we could see that David is getting victories over those nations beside him. And that he's watching victory here and victory here and victory here. And after God has given him peace around the land some more, that David is starting to look forward to trying to be a blessing to someone else. And so we find our way to the book of 2 Samuel in chapter number 9. The book of 2 Samuel in chapter number 9, and pick it up with me in verse number 1. 2 Samuel chapter 9 in verse number 1, the Bible says this, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show, kindness, show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Zibiah. And when he had <coughs> called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Zibiah? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Zibiah said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Zibiah said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Makar, the son Emil in Lodabar. Then the king sent and fetched him out of the house of Makar, and the son of Emil from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat the bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shalt look upon such a dead dog as am I? And the king said unto Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertaineth to Saul and to his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall tell the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits, that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread alway at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto <coughs> the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded the servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, 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 
said the king, he shall eat at my table and shall be as one of the king's son. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both of his feet. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark the name that we find in the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 9? The book of 2 Samuel chapter number 9, and notice with me in verse number 6, where it, where it records the name of Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, as we approach this wonderful story that you have recorded in your word, that we could not only see it, but also see how it applies to your gospel and how you apply it that we can learn from this wonderful story about your graciousness and your forgiveness and your love. I'm asking that we would see much about Jesus today. I'm asking that you would just preach this message through me. I understand that I am weak and frail, that I do not feel well, but yet I know that you can empower through your precious spirit so the best that I know how. I ask that you forgive me of anything that would hinder me from moving forward from being dead to self, and I'm asking that you would allow me to be dead to self. That we could just see your name glorified even now. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. What we have here is this wonderful story of Mophibosheth. Isn't that a cool name, Mophibosheth? So I guess if you're ever looking for a new name to name one of your children, say, all right, I got a perfect name, Mophibosheth. Nobody will never ever know how to spell that name correctly. But Mephibosheth, but Mephibosheth was the son of Saul. And we saw Mephibosheth <laughs> mention earlier that as he was running away during the, when Saul had died and the transfer of power, the civil war, in the midst of all of that mess, he had a nurse that was carrying him or walking alongside with him. But in the midst of it, the kid fell down. And something happened to him, perhaps a spinal injury or something, but he became lame on his feet. So what happened is that we have a person here that can't walk. He's part of the house of Saul. He's son's, uh, Saul's grandson. His father was Jonathan, who was David's friend. And it came time that David is searching to find a way to be a blessing to the family. Now this is unusual because the first thing I want to bring up to you according to culture of the ancient world is that he was worthy of death. He was worthy of death. Now, what do you mean about that? Well, in the ancient world, whenever someone became king, it was a common practice. In fact, it was mostly always done that whenever someone would become king, they would kill all the rest of the uh, people who could ascend to the throne. Oftentimes when kings would become kings, they would sometimes kill their own brothers and sisters, certainly kill any cousins, kill anyone that might have a claim to the throne in order to secure the throne for himself. It was even more so when a brand new dynasty took place. Remember, dynasty has the idea of a family that's ruling. So in all essence, if Saul was to continue with his dynasty, that that 
Saul would have became king, he would have given the throne to his son, Jonathan. And when Jonathan died, the next person in line would have been one of Saul's sons. In this case, only Mephibosheth is there. So Mephibosheth, according to the rules of dynasties, should have been the king. And according to the ancient world, what would normally happen, because David is starting a brand new dynasty, the very first thing he would do was to clean house. He would get rid of all of Saul's descendants. And so Mephibosheth has been waiting for the day that David called him, not for the purpose of restoring anything to him. He was expecting David to call him so David could put him to death. And so what we have here is we start off by understanding Mephibosheth was worthy of death. This is the common culture. This is what happened all throughout history. No matter which country, which kingdom, wherever you look, this was common practice to go ahead and clean house, to go ahead and make sure that your claim to the throne was unchallenged. So Mephibosheth was someone who was definitely a challenge to the throne, at least by dynasty, and he was worthy to be death. Any other culture, any other country, Mephibosheth would have already been dead. So we understand that, first of all, he was worthy of death. A second thing that we understand about Mephibosheth is that he had nothing to offer the king. He had nothing to offer the king. Remember, Mephibosheth, because of an accident that occurred years earlier, was lame on his feet, meaning he could not walk. Now, back in the ancient world, that you had to work in order to survive. It was an agricultural society, meaning that people had to work the land in order to um, survive. And then even though he was of royal blood, that he was not in the house. He was not of David's house. He was no longer... Uh, someone who was in the throne, he had to find some way to take care of himself. And he, could, he couldn't offer anything to the king. He couldn't work. He couldn't work the fields. He couldn't serve anything. He is broken and he could do nothing. He could offer nothing to the king. There was no reason to keep Mephibosheth alive. No reason to keep Mephibosheth around. There was no benefit to David to keep someone who could not do anything for the king. This man was helpless. He could not do anything for himself. He had nothing to offer the king. So starting off, we understand this is not a good position for Mephibosheth. He understands he's worthy of death. He understands he has nothing to offer the king. But one day, the king reached out to him. And that's the third thing I want to show you, is that the king reached out to him. Mephibosheth is probably worrying about this day. He was hoping that he could ride under the radar, hoping that, you know, no one will ever say that he exists. No one would put his attention to David. But sure enough, one day there was a summons, and he figured this is it. He put his affairs in order. He went to the king, and he's not expecting to come home. He's not expecting to live past this engagement because he's worthy of death. Everyone else is doing it. Why wouldn't David? This is common practice, very common practice. He has nothing to offer the king. He can't even beg for his life and say, hey, king, if you spare my life, I'll do this for you. He had nothing to offer the king. But one day there was a summons. But we see here that the king reached out to him. Notice in verse number one. And David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. So think about this. The king 
is saying, hey, I want to be a blessing to someone for my son's sake. So because of my son, I want to, <coughs> sorry, because of, uh, not <coughs> David's son, but because of Jonathan, because of who Jonathan was, because of the favor that Jonathan showed to David, David said, I want to be a blessing to someone else. I want to find someone to be a blessing to. I want to look out for, for this guy. I want to find someone I could show kindness to. And there was of the house of Saul a servant who was named Zibiah. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said to the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Makar, the son of Emiel in Lodabar. And so what we see here is that the king reached out to Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth did not reach out to the king. He did not send a message to the king. He didn't do anything. It was the king that reached out to this helpless person, reached out to this guy who was worthy of death, who reached out to him. It was the king who took the first step to reach out. We could see that here. The king reached out to him. Oh, but then after that, something wonderful happened. We see another thing here. The king made him sit at the king's table. The king made him sit at the king's table. Now Mephibosheth approaches expecting to die. Oh, but the king had something different in mind. Notice with me in verse 6. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face. So immediately Mephibosheth fell down before David. He's not expecting to live, but the best he could do is show reverence. He falls down before David asking for mercy. You see, that's where the idea of mercy comes from. The idea of mercy comes from this ancient world that whenever someone who was worthy of death would approach the king, the person would fall down before the king and have their neck exposed. And so the king could choose to do whatever they wanted. If the king decided to kill him, then that was the king's right. If the king decided to spare him, that was his right. But the idea of mercy came the idea where you put yourself at the disposal of someone else and say, I am yours to do whatever you want and that you will be right in doing so. I'm giving myself to you. And so what happened is that Mephibosheth fell down in the position of mercy, with asking for mercy, begging for mercy. And so it was up to the king to decide his fate. So Mephibosheth fell before the king in mercy. And notice how David responded. Um, verse number seven. And David said unto him, fear not. Could you imagine what words those had an impact on Mephibosheth? To have the king, who Mephibosheth is falling at the, uh, the feet of the king, and the position of mercy. King, whatever you see fit. And he was expecting to die. And the king says these words, fear not. Fear not. You don't have any reason to be afraid of me. Notice as he goes on. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will show thee kindness. Oh, what a blessing that is. I will show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. We see here is that 
the king gave Mephibosheth possessions. He gave him possessions. He restored Mephibosheth all of his lost estates. Mephibosheth didn't deserve it, but the king gave it to Mephibosheth freely. He gave him possessions. Here, take this. I want to give this to you. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you anyways. I'm going to freely give you these possessions. Not only that, not only did he give him possessions, but he gave him a position. Notice this. It says that I will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father, and thou shalt eat bread continually at my table. Or eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king said to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertaineth to Saul and his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shalt till the land for him, but thou shalt bring in the fruits of that thy master's son may have fruit to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. We can see that repeated there in the next verse, that Mephibosheth, that he shall eat at my table. You know what happened is that the king said, I know you're not worthy. I know that all of these things, but I'm going to put you at the king's table. You're going to eat with me. You're going to dwell with me. You're going to dine with me. I want you with me by my side. I want to have that fellowship with you. I want you to be treated just like one of the king's sons. Oh, what a blessing that is. That the king showed so much mercy. And so we see this account here of Mephibosheth. A man that was worthy of death. A man that should have died. A man that had nothing to offer the king. But the king reached out to him. And he came and bowed himself mercy, mercy. But the king raised him up and said, fear not. Here, I want to give you things. I want to give you these possessions. Not only that, I want to give you these things. I'm going to put you in a position. I want you to be at my side. I want to have fellowship. You're sitting at one of the king's sons. You're going to have everything there. What a beautiful picture. May I clarify this picture here with this last thing? What the king did for us. What the king did for us. You understand Mephibosheth is a great picture of all of us. How do I mean by that picture? Well, we understand first of all that we were worthy of death. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. Every single one of us is under the sentence of death. Every single one of us deserve death because we're all sinners. What's a sin? A sin is anything that we've done wrong against God. Anything that we've done to break God's law, break God's commandment. We have sinned. And because of that sin, we are worthy of death. That is our sentence. All of us are worthy of it. The Bible says there are none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. Very clearly, we are worthy of death. But not only are we worthy of death, we have nothing to offer the king. We have nothing to offer the king. The Bible talks about in the book of Romans, chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, For God commendeth his love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
When it talks about in why we were yet sinners, it means we were nothing. We, were, we rebelled against God. We hated God. We wanted our own way. We had nothing to offer God. God did not save you because he looked at you and said, you know what, that's going to be someone who's going to be great and wonderful. He didn't save you because, you know what, that's going to be someone. That's be. You had nothing to offer the king. You can't do anything for God. Only God can do his work. You had nothing to offer him. You can't say, God, I'll serve you forever if I get into heaven. You had nothing to offer God. But God commendeth his love towards you. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We had nothing to offer the king. There was nothing we can do to exchange a place or favor of God. There was nothing we could offer God. But you know what happened? Jesus came to us. Jesus came to us. We did not approach God. He approached us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know God wanted us to go to heaven so much that he sent his son Jesus. That God robed himself in flesh and he dwelt on this earth as the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came to us. He sought us. The Bible talks about that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That Jesus is a seeking God. He went to us. He sought us. We didn't look for God first. He came to us. What a great God that was. He came to us. But not only did he come to us, that we also understand that Jesus restored us. That Jesus restored us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what? We deserve death, but Jesus gave us life. He gave us life. He restored us with everlasting life, with eternal life. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. But not only that, he gave us an inheritance. With that, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter number 20. The book of Acts, chapter number 20. And I want to show you this, that he gave us an inheritance. Acts, chapter number 20. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts, chapter 20. What a beautiful picture of what Mephibosheth has done for us, or that, that we were in Mephibosheth's place, that we were worthy of death. We had nothing to offer the king, but the king reached out to us. He restored us, but just like Mephibosheth, he gave us an inheritance. Notice with me in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 32. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 32. And now, brethren, I command you to God, or commend you to God, and to the words of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. You know what God did is he gave us an inheritance. He, the Bible says that we're co-heirs with Jesus, that everything that Jesus would inherit, we get to inherit. He's made us a part of the family. He's given us possessions and inheritance. And he says, this is yours. And you didn't have to do anything for it. I'm giving it to you freely. I'm just restoring unto you. I'm providing you an inheritance for you to have. There's one other thing that God did for us. 
He made us part of his family. He made us part of his family. Turn with me to the gospel record of John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Just like Mephibosheth was placed and he ate with the king's family, ate at the king's table, he made him as if he was one of the king's sons. That's exactly what God did for us. Look with me in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse number 12. John chapter 1 and verse 12. Notice this. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Oh, what Jesus did for us. That Jesus looked at us and saw that we were worthy of death. Saw we had nothing to offer. But yet he loved us so much that he gave his son to die for us. He sought for us. Then once we came to him in mercy and say, Lord, we need mercy. We can't do it ourselves. He restored us. He gave us an inheritance. And he made us sit with his family. Oh, what a wonderful picture Mephibosheth is. This picture of grace. This picture of what the king has done for us. Mephibosheth will always sit at the king's table from now on. Will always be treated as one of David's sons from this time on. Oh, what a picture of grace. What a picture of mercy that Jesus Christ has done for us. So we bear you the question here. Are you 100% sure that you are forgiven of your sins? Are you 100% sure that you've received that inheritance that God has given to you? That eternal life he's given to you? Well, you can just by calling out for Jesus for mercy. For mercy. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.